Welcome to Parsha in Progress. I'm Abigail Pogrebin, author of My Jewish Year. And I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, president of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. And we are two very different Jews talking about the same Torah together. Hello, Dove. Hey, Abby. This is a very good time, I think, for us to just remind people that if they want to rate us on iTunes or review us, we would love it, or recommend us. Three Those, R's. The three R's. Rate, <laughs> review, and recommend. Right. Um, they'll be written in the Book of Life. Am I allowed to say that? Yes. <laughs> Today we're doing Vayelach. We're in the home stretch. Yeah. This is the penultimate episode for the year. So Vayelach means, and he went. Um, we love these translations. It's like a dangling something. <laughs> it's very poetic. This is the portion where Moses is finishing his speech, his long speech to the Israelites. You know, he's giving them a lot of preparation for right. what they're about to do because he's going to be gone. And it's pretty poignant. Yeah. He's going. He's dying. These are his last days. Yeah. And we should mention that uh, two uh, parshas ago in Kitavo, there was a long list of curses and tragedies that would befall the people if they would sin and break the covenant. So here we go. It's 31.16. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. That means you're about to die. Then this people will rise and whore, that's whore, W-H-O-R-E, after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering, basically worship false gods. Correct. And they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. So basically they're abandoning me. Mm -hmm. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day and I will forsake them. And hide my face from them. That kind of feels like a little tit for tat. Yeah. I got to say, that's totally what it feels like beneath God, in my opinion, my judgment. Mm. And they will be devoured. Very strong threat. Mm-hmm. And many evils and troubles will come upon them so that they will say in that day, have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? Mm. Meaning God has abandoned us. God has abandoned this us. This is God talking again. And I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil that they have done, because they have turned to other gods. All of these punishments are happening because of idolatry. And I mean, I think uh, as moderns, we might ask like, why is idolatry itself deserving of all these punishments? I mean, let's say it's, let's say it's a moral society. Would it still be, would they be deserving of this because they had worshiped other gods? Well, we've, we've already said that's a commandment. You're breaking the commandment. A lot of commandments, right? Why is God losing faith in people's faith so fast? I mean, so easily. I just don't understand. Like, where's the proof that we're so weak? Well, God does know the future. It seems like pretty bad parenting to basically say, I'm sending you forth to do, you're growing up. Right. But I completely doubt your ability right. to handle it. Right. And to do the right thing. And in some ways, that could be self-fulfilling. Yeah. So I, that, I think, is a really good point. Like, okay, God knows the future. Fine. What's the benefit in saying it? What's the benefit of writing it in the Torah? What's the benefit of undermining their sense of a positive, you know, future? But doesn't right? it also say something about God? Like, I mean, why is God so, in a sense, sure of God's own people's kind of lack of strength and fortitude and commitment? And that says something about God in a way. You're putting all the blame on us. Mm. You know, part of this, if we fail, it's because you did. Why don't you write it differently? Like, why are you writing failure right. into our future? Yeah, I mean, I think that the answer in the Torah is because since that failure will be met with 
exile and destruction and punishment. And that's what we know is the history, right? That uh, first temple was destroyed, second temple was destroyed. And from a theological lens, that's always being read as a result of our sins. So God is sort of saying, when this happens, don't say, hey, what did I do to deserve this? And uh, blame me, God, for this. Well, and then in a sense, Moses imitates God or picks up where God left off. This is a Deuteronomy 31:27, and Moses is talking now. Well, I know how defiant and stiff-necked you are, again, addressing the Israelites. Right. Even now, while I am alive in your midst, you have been defiant toward the Lord. How much more then when I am dead? So again, saying like, I don't believe in you either. And then skip down to 29, for I know that when I am dead, you will act wickedly and turn away from the path that I enjoined upon you. And in time to come, misfortune will befall you for having done evil in the sight of the Lord and vexed him by your deeds. Right. Like This is how he wants to go out. Right. So that's what I said. Moses here is saying, I know from your character that you're going to fail. God is just saying, I know the f- from the future that you're going to fail. But either way, like, how is this a helpful message? How is it at all helpful to say, I know that you're going to fail? And again, I think that the Torah's answer is that that then we're able to understand our suffering as a result. Because what the Torah is saying here is that then you're going to get punished. You're going to get punished. You'll be exiled from the land. It'll be destroyed. You should be aware that this is because of your sins. But I think that then, you know, that becomes a a really different type of a question. Like, does that become a blaming of the victim? You know, how about the fact that, you know, the Babylonians destroyed us? Aren't they to blame? Why are we to blame? How about all of our oppressors throughout hundreds of years of Jewish suffering, right? Is it all our sins? What about the way that people have acted against us? And to the degree that it might be a prompt for us to try to repent and do better, it's helpful. But to agree that it is a blaming of the victim, it can be very unhelpful. Well, let's let's go to your first, maybe it's constructive in some way for someone to say, I see you failing here. If we just kind of bring it to the personal, have there been times where someone doubted you and said, I actually don't think you can do this? I'm sure those have happened to other people, maybe to me that I can't remember, but I think more times than not, those are very unhelpful messages. How about you? Have there been- I kind of think sometimes people doubting me has have has emboldened me in some way or galvanized me is maybe a better. Yeah, word but is for it, it that if they say like I'm not sure, that's one well, thing. Well, I've had I've, I've, had I've heard actually- I guess when those times when you hear for the grapevine that someone says I don't really see why she I don't think she can do it. Uh huh. Uh huh. If we're gonna kind of psychologize the Torah, yeah, there might be something in saying to the people. You are going to screw this up. A, I don't think it played out in practice. The people were exiled. What didn't? That they didn't get better. They didn't avert the exile. They sinned. They were exiled, as this parasha foretells. When we Did they had, abandon God? Yeah. I mean, the first temple was constant idolatry. I just think it is very problematic, if we're just going to cut through it, to basically say, you are going to sin and you are going to be punished before either have happened. Mm-hmm. And... It's dispiriting. Like, what? how does that, in a sense, either direct a people or um, inspire a people? Mm. So do you feel it would be better if it had the if clause? If yes. You, if you sin. Which you is what most of the threats, yes. And, and it will be because of your sins if this is what happens. Well, it's kind of like on Yom Kippur, I'm going to, you know, uh, for all these vows that I'm going to break. Right. Um. There's just this assumption of yeah, falling short right? that I don't think is actually a, 
I don't really see the value in it other yeah. than what I was trying to, in to my write. modern take to kind of create was that maybe it's an incentive to and, assume failure. And you know, and you mentioned Yom Kippur and a very powerful message I've often heard about Yom Kippur is the acknowledgement of human failure and that we're going to fail is a reason for compassion. So, you know, you spend the whole day of Yom Kippur repenting and asking for forgiveness and you believe that you're forgiven and you make all these commitments for the future. And then the very first sentence in the evening prayer that we say after Yom Kippur is over, the very next sentence we say is, and God is compassionate and forgives sin. I mean, maybe we can't get into this, but that's absurd. I know. (laughs) Because God is in control of everything. Right. I know somebody who is so angry about these verses and verses like this, a very serious, learned, observant Jew. And he sort of says... As opposed to us. No. <laughs> to make it clear, because the next thing I'm going to say is going to be a little radical. And he basically says, he blames all historical anti-Semitism on this. And he says, you know, the Torah here is saying that we deserve to be punished and to suffer because we're sinful people. And what do you expect people to do other than to sort of have anti-Semitic attitudes? So I think that's quite extreme, and I don't endorse that, but uh, it's just a real way of looking at how harsh these verses are and to ask the question of what function they're serving. Can you square that Yom Kippur message of you have some influence over your fate with this Parsha, where God is saying, this is all already written for you? Yeah. Um, Not... I mean, no, because it it gets to those deep theological questions of divine foreknowledge and free choice, right? That's like the biggest theolo- one of the biggest theological questions. How can we have free choice and God know things about the future? Um, so this is God telling us, here's what I know about the future, and Juva is about the ability to change and free choice. And it's not just God saying, I know the future. It's God saying... I know you're ultimately bad. Well, right. That is. Like Moses look, is more the one saying or, that. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, even saying that you're, Moses is saying that we're stiff-necked. Right. Um, that's, you know, if I'm that one person who says, no, I won't be, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, Abby, I wish I had a better answer for you. That's why we're having these conversations. But I do think it's important to balance this with what we read at the end of, you know, in last week's parasha, and that was not many chapters ago. And there it says that you're going to sin and God is going to exile you and drive you from the land. And then it says, and you will return to the Lord your God and God will return to you and he will ultimately bring you back to the land. So, you know, that's not the end of the story, what we have here. So I think that that is the important counterbalancing message, but I don't think it occurs in our portion. It's a sorry statement on God's confidence in us. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I'm hoping for a little more of a... Ch- I, I, but I if we go to the parenting model, if a, if a parent said to a child, look, I know you're going to mess up. Not, let's not take Moses because I know you have a problem with your character. We all mess up. We're kids. You're a teenager. You're going to experiment. You're going to make mistakes. I know you're going to mess up. And there are going to be consequences as a result. But I will always love you. I'll always be your father. I'll always be your mother. You'll come back to me. You know, you'll always be welcome here at home. So does saying it in that inevitable... That makes make it a lot it better? better. It's just not what's on the page. <laughs> okay. Well, we tried our best, Abby. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Parsha in Progress is written and hosted by Abigail Pogrubin and Rabbi Dove Linzer. The show is produced by Shira Telushkin and executive produced by Josh Cross and Tablet Magazine. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. 
We'd be so grateful if you'd head over to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It helps more people find us. You can also write or fetch to us at this email, progress at tabletmag.com. Thanks for listening.